Praise God and welcome to Genesis 1 Christian Ministries. So glad to have you here with us today as we partake in God's word. And before we get started, let's open with a prayer. Dear Lord God, Jehovah, most awesome and wonderful Lord God, we just praise your most magnificent name, Lord Jesus. And I just want to thank you, Lord, for giving us this opportunity to be able to gather together, Lord God, to hear your words today, Lord God. I pray, Lord, that you would open up the hearts and minds and spirits of everyone that would be hearing this message, Lord God, so that these words that come forth get sunken deep within our spirits so that they may come bubbling back up, Lord God, whenever it is that we need them, Lord. Lord God, let the words that come forth be your words, Lord, and let them bless every single person that is listening to this message, Lord God, that they may have victory in their lives. These things we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Well, praise God. Once again, welcome to Genesis 1 Christian Ministries, and I'm so glad to have you here with us today and excited to be able to share what the Word of God has in store for us today. And uh, if you don't have your Bibles, go ahead and pause this message and grab your Bibles and maybe something to write with, a highlighter or something like that, so that you can take some notes and, and come on back and resume this message so that you can follow along with us and see what the Word of God, uh, what the Word of God has to say. So let's start in our Bibles by turning to the book of Ezekiel. And we're going to go to Ezekiel chapter 22. And we're going to go to verse number 17. Ezekiel 22, verse 17. The word of the Lord came to me saying, son of man, the house of Israel has become dross to me. They are all bronze, tin, iron and lead in the midst of a furnace. They have become dross from silver. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, because you will have all become dross. Therefore, behold, I will gather you into the midst of Jerusalem as men gather silver, bronze, iron, lead and tin into the midst of a furnace to blow fire on it, to melt it. So I will gather you in my anger and in my fury and I will leave you there and melt you. Yes, I will gather you and blow on you with the fire of my wrath and you shall be melted in its mist as silver is melted in the midst of furnace of a furnace. So shall you be melted in the midst. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, I, the Lord, have poured out my fury on you today. I want to talk on the subject of burning away the dross. OK, burning away the dross. And what is dross? Drosses are impurities that can be found in metal and it has to be removed during the shaping and the, and the molding in the molding process. Uh, it can be burned off. OK, and, and it, there's there's methods where you can you, you can burn it off and melt it to where it comes up to the surface and you can e easily scrape it. There's methods where you could even take a hammer to the edges of that metal to actually bang the dross off of the off, off of the metal. And it just depends on how the, that metal is cut. Israel had allowed a bunch of impurities to enter into the into the city because they were involved in all sorts of uh, activities that were not uh, pleasing to God. They were being disobedient to God. They created idols for themselves. They were shedding blood. They acted in all sorts of unholy ways. They mistreated people. They extorted people as well. All of these things which caused God's anger to be aroused against them. So in God's eyes, they have become draws and they must, been, they must be dealt with accordingly. In our lives, we can often become too busy with the day-to-day -day activities that we don't see when the dross builds up until God unleashes his wrath. 
okay, until God unleashes his wrath. In this case here, Israel had no idea uh, that God's wrath was getting ready to be poured out on them. And that's what God told Ezekiel to tell them is that, yeah, I'm seeing everything that you've done. And because of everything that you're doing that's not pleasing to me, I'm going to treat you like dross and I'm going to burn you. I'm going to blow my wrath, my blow my wrath on you. Some ways that it could show up in our lives is that we could choose not to read our Bibles because we're too tired. But instead, instead of us actually picking up our Bibles and saying that uh, or, or not picking up our Bibles uh, because we're saying we're too tired, we'll play on our phones or we'll play on our tablets or we'll watch a movie or we'll do something else that 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 isn't really uh, that we do something else that we use as an excuse not to read, not to read the word of God. We may choose not to go to church because we didn't get enough sleep the night before. Even though we knew that church was going to start in the morning, we decided to stay up late anyway and to do something else instead of getting to bed at a decent time. Okay. A lot of times, at least in, in so, with so many people that I've spoken with over the years, Saturday is kind of like they use Saturday as their party day, if you will. And, and as they're partying out on Saturday, then what happens comes Sunday is Sunday becomes that recovery time. They choose on Sunday to 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 get some rest or to to do laundry or to clean up things around the house. And they don't make time to go to church or they'll use Sunday to catch up on everything from work from Monday through Friday because they didn't manage their time correctly or they didn't manage their time efficiently. So they ended up doing work on Sunday in preparation for Monday. We don't spend time seeking God in the morning because we'd rather sleep an extra 15 minutes. Think that those extra 15 minutes would actually give us some more time that would el eliminate the drowsiness that we might be feeling that morning only to wake up and still be tired throughout that day. OK, that's another way that that, that we can we can become so busy that we don't see the draw start entering into our lives. We may get up and go for that cup of coffee and maybe we have two cups of coffee before the workday even starts. And it doesn't matter what we do. We have no energy. And if we would have gotten up at the time our alarms went off and spent some time with God, we would have been able to find that God can give us strength. And God does give us strength. There's been many times when, when, when God has woken me up at you know 3.30 in the morning and I don't have to be up until 5 or so. Like that. And I'm up at three thirty and he's telling me some things and we're talking. We have a conversation Next, you know, it's five a.m. And I've got to start getting ready for work and I can get through that entire day without being being sleepy. Matter of fact, there's days when I've had those days. I've had more energy than I've ever had on, on, on any other day because God knew that I needed to spend some time with him and he wanted me to spend time with him. And because I was obedient to doing that, he restored my energy. Okay. We look to seek acceptance from the world instead of acceptance from God. So we may go along with things that the world does out of the fear of being disliked. Okay. The Bible says that friendship with the world is enmity to God, meaning that we can't be friends with the world and be friends with God at the same time. Now, I'm not saying that. You, you, that all your friends have to be Christians, okay? Because Jesus did definitely associated with a non-believer, all right? I'm not saying that at all. But Jesus also said that while we are in this world, we are not of this world. So we are in this physical three-dimensional world and we interact with unbelievers all day long. But that doesn't mean that, that, that we should be behaving 
the way that they do, that we should be allowing them to influence our thoughts and pull us away from what the word of God tells us, the things that we know are, are truthful. We shouldn't be uh, uh, so afraid to lose a friendship or lose a relationship that we go along with a particular activity or it seems as though we are in support of a particular lifestyle when the word of God clearly speaks on those things. We want more acceptance from people than we do with God. That's somehow that that's another way that we can have draws get entered into our lives. We may run from problems instead of seeking God's counsel on how to deal with them, not realizing that those problems are following us everywhere we go. Have you ever been in a situation where it seemed like, oh, I'm over here. And I've got this issue, so I'm going to pack up and I'm going to leave and I'm going to go somewhere else. And then the same issue pops up a few months later and then you're constantly running from place to place. This shows up a lot in in, in, in the workplace. What I've seen with, with people is they bounce from job to job to job to job, trying to escape a problem and don't take a step back and say, wait a second. This problem was here. It was in my previous job and my previous jobs. Maybe God is trying to show me something. Maybe I'm, I'm spending too much time running instead of ste- stepping back and, and digging my heels in and saying, okay, Lord, how should I go out and how should I attack this, attack this problem? These things that I've mentioned, these are just some of the ways that dross can enter into our lives. And when it enters, God will step in. The issue, though, is that when God steps in, it becomes a painful process that we could have avoided. I'm going to say that again. The problem is when God steps in to deal with the dross in our lives, it can become a painful process that could have been avoided. Okay. It could have been avoided. God has a way of being able to separate us from the things that are unholy and ungodly, but he never does it in a way that's going to uh, override our free will. He will show us all sorts of signs and he'll put signs on the doorposts and he may send people to come say certain things to us. And, and we might we might hear something on on the radio or see something on TV, something on the news. God has a, a, a way of being able to put those those signposts around us. But if we choose to continue to ignore them, then draws can enter into our lives. And, the, and when God comes in and he does like Israel and says, I'm going to blow my fire on you so you will see that I'm pouring, pouring my fury out on you. When God does that, that's very, very, very painful. There's a difference between God putting us in places that, that make us uncomfortable so that we can grow our spiritual muscles and us being put into situations because we were disobedient. It's a different type of pain. Anyone that's ever lifted weights, you know that. That, that pain cannot be avoided if you're truly lifting in a format that's going to help the muscle grow. There's the pain and the soreness because you know the muscle is growing. And then there's a more um, a more uncomfortable pain where you know that hmm, an injury might be setting in. This might be something that I don't want to ignore. The other pain. Yes, I know. I know what this means. But this pain is something new and I don't want to. I, I think I don't want to ignore this. I might want to stop. I might want to lighten up the weight. I might want to get some rest. I might want to take some uh, uh, precautionary measures to ensure that I don't get injured. That's different than when God steps in to actually say, all right, enough's enough. You're not being obedient to, to me now. Now I'm going to start putting all sorts of, I, I can't protect you anymore. So now you're going to start getting attacked from the enemy in ways that I cannot protect you from. And it's not that God isn't powerful enough to do it, but it's that God can't look upon sin. So if we're living a lifestyle where we're being disobedient or doing anything that's, that, that, that God deems unacceptable, he can't protect us. He has to step back, take his hands off and say, 
I, I, I want to, but I can't because what I say that I'm going to do, I'm going to do. And when that happens in our lives, because God's fury now is being poured out on us, we feel like we hit rock bottom. And if we were just obedient in the beginning, that wouldn't have happened in the first place. Consistent disobedience will cause us to ignore the signs and therefore we will not be able to hear when God is actually speaking. Okay. And that leads to draws coming into our lives. So here's the million dollar question. How do we get rid of the draws without having to have God step in to burn it away for us? How do we recognize it in advance so that we can deal with it before God comes in and has to deal with it? Because at that point, it could be a very painful process. Well, it starts off with the renewing of your mind. Turn to the book of Romans and we're going to go to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. And we're going to start with verse number, let's go to verse number one, Romans 12, verse number one. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your, you, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, understand something. If you don't have all of verse number two underlined, please highlight all of it. And I would say double underline or highlight where it says be transformed and where it says renewing of the mind, because here's the thing about transformation. It cannot happen in your life until you change the way you think. Okay. If you don't transform your mind, you can't, or, or if you don't change the way you think transformation cannot happen. The thoughts that you have determine the emotions that you feel, which then drives the action that you take. And that ends up leading to the result. So if you're constantly thinking the same way, you're going to feel the same emotions. You're going to be taking the same actions and you're going to be getting the same result. So if you want transformation to happen, you have to change the way you think. If you look in the news today and you see all of the things that they're trying to teach kids and and, 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 and trying to get kids to change their thinking and even adults for that matter to change their thinking, that's because there are demonic activities and there's demonic plots out there that want to transform what we deem to be holy inside of in, in God's eyes. And what they want to do is they want us to look at what could, what should be considered right and wrong from the world's perspective, not from God's perspective. So they try to change the way you, they, they try to change the way we think they, they go in and they attack our minds. Renewing of the mind doesn't happen just once. Renewing means to what? To make new again, to restore. But it doesn't happen just once. If I renew my subscription to Netflix, I have to do that on a monthly basis. And every time that I renew that subscription, what I'm basically saying to Netflix is I want to continue to consume your content. Everything that is on your, 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 your app, your application there, I want to be able to consume that content. So I'm going to pay you money each and every single month so I can continue to consume that. When we are renewing our minds, we are telling God that we want to continue to consume his content. We want to continue to learn about him. We want him to continue to talk to us. We want him to continue to feed us spiritually. That's what renewing of the mind actually means. When you renew your mind to be like God, 
it allows him to share things with you that he hasn't shared before. Okay. Renewing of the mind, understand, some believe that it happens automatically when you become saved and that it's a done deal, but it's not a done deal. When you become saved, you are turning your life over to Christ. You still have to have your mind renewed and you still have to think like he does. You still have to fill yourself with God's word. You still have to study. You still have to uh, um, uh, have to be around other children of God so that you can constantly have your mind renewed. It's not a one and done thing. It's something that needs to happen consistently. Verse number three, for I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Now, you see this here, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. That only happens with a renewed mind, with a renewed mind. When you turn your life over to Christ, you should not be thinking about yourself the same way that you did before. That you are or or thinking of yourself as being better than another individual or or holding yourself up in pride and being puffed up in yourself and your your abilities. When you turn your mind, your life over to Christ, that should change. But you have to renew your mind to be able to do that. The other thing here that's that that's critical is understanding in our heads that we have the faith that we need in this life. When verse three, it says there that as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith, this means that we all have been given a measure of faith to deal with every single circumstance that's going to happen in our lives, not about anybody else's. There's no such thing. And we're children of God, where we get ourselves in trouble is where we start comparing ourselves to someone else. To say that I have more faith than you or you have more faith than me or or two different people have more faith than the other. Faith doesn't work like that. Faith is not a dial like on a a, um, on a sound system where you're turning, turning the volume up and down. Faith is, is like a light switch. It's either you have it or you don't. It's either on or it's off. It has nothing to do with anybody else's else's circumstances. The faith that you've had to exercise to get through the things that you got to in your life. You were able to get through that because God knew the faith that you needed to make it through. It's not about whether or not somebody else could handle that same situation. And I've heard many Christians say, wow, I don't know how you were able to deal with that. I don't know if I had faith like that. Well, the reality of it is, is if you had to go through that same situation that another person did, you have the faith because God's given it to you. God is not going to give you a level of faith that is not going to allow you to get through the things that are coming in your life. He knows what's coming down the pike. He knows what's going to happen 10 years from now, 10 minutes from now. You have the faith to already deal with that. Don't compare your faith to anyone else's. Verse number four. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. Underline that if you don't have that underlined already. Let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Okay? So a lot of good things there in those scriptures. Dross can enter in our lives if we think that our role in the body of Christ is more important than someone else's. Okay, 
And, and, and you may think like, well, I would never, ever, ever think that. But it happens more times than you think. It happens more times than you think. Because after all, in the workplace, right, if you're looking to promote into another position, you have to beat out the competition. You have to go in front of an interview for uh, in front of people that are interviewing, interviewing you and tell them why you're the best candidate for the job, why you might be better than someone else. You have to tell them you have to sell yourself to that interview panel so that they hire you. And that's just kind of how life is. There's competition that's all around us. But it doesn't mean that your role in the body of Christ is any more important or less important than someone else. We all have different roles. We all have different roles. Verse number six, having then uh, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. All right. Draws can also enter our lives by keeping our God given gifts to ourselves and not using them to serve God and bless others. Every single one of us has a God given talent. If we are using those things to serve God and to bless others, that's a good way to be able to keep dross from entering into our lives. It gets rid of that selfishness. And it goes back to um, to what it says there in verse number three, to not think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Whatever gift God has given you, you are not too good or there's no one. There's no one out there that is not good enough for you to use that gift to bless them with. Okay. We have to learn to use our gifts to bless, to bless others. We need to learn to find joy when someone else is blessed by our gifts, even if we never get the credit. We should always use our gifts and not to expect to receive any kudos for it. And that's difficult to do because we all like to be told that we're doing a good job. Right. We all like to get a pat on the back every so every so often. Right. Because that shows us that we're making a difference in somebody's lives. It, it's a hint that lets us know that we should be we might be on the right path there. But not all the times do we get get credit for for helping someone. And we shouldn't be looking to get that credit. All right. We should never be looking to get that credit. The joy we should be able to find is when we use our gift and we see somebody else get blessed by it. One of the things that I love to see is that. When I talk with somebody and I share something with them about the word of God, or maybe I give them some advice on a particular situation, I love to see when they take that advice and actually have some success with it. That's what makes me feel good. I don't care if I ever get the credit because most of the time I don't get credit for things that happen. But I know that God is smiling down on me and he's saying to me, well done, my son. And that's all that I need to know that I'm doing what he wants me to do. Okay. And sometimes we have a hard time with that because God doesn't play to our insecurities. And what I mean by that is that God is not telling you constantly is, is going to tell you every single moment of the day. You're doing a good job. You're doing a good job. You're doing a good job. And sometimes we look to God and we're like, God, am I doing a good job? Am I doing a good job? And we want him to tell us yes. But his yes typically is going to be silence because you are going down the path that he wants you to go down. And he will redirect you. When he needs to redirect you. And the reason why he is not always patting us on the back is because if we're constantly looking for that kind of approval from him, then we can never actually have faith. We can never step out into the unknown if we are constantly waiting for God to tell us, yes, my son, yes, my daughter, you're doing a good job. We wouldn't have any real faith. So he's often silent as we're going down the path and will step in like a GPS when he needs to redirect us. All right. 
But again, we need to make sure that we're using our gifts to to uh, to be able to bless others. Verse number nine. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor, giving preference to one another, not lacking in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing, continue, excuse me, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality, bless those who persecute you and uh, bless and do not curse. Okay. To pause there for a second, uh, verse number 11, where it talks about fervent, uh, fervent in spirit. What fervent in spirit means is that you have a fire for following God. Okay. It, 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 it's, it's coming from deep within your spirit. You, you have a, a, a fire to just serve God and you want to please him and, and everything that you do and everything that you say and every interaction that you have with an individual. That's what that fervent fervency, uh, in, in, in spirit means that we want to follow him and we want to serve him because we want to. Because we want to. A lot of unbelievers out there think that we walk through this life being robots. That we just blindly, we just look at the word of God and just say, well, okay, I'm going to go ahead and do it because it says so. Without understanding the, re- the, the reasoning why God instructs us to do the things that he instructs us to do. And the reality of it is, is we don't do it from a compliance perspective to just check a box and say, yep, I'm doing it. We do it because we love God, because he loved us first before we were even born, because he loved us so much that he sent Jesus, his only begotten son, to die on the cross so that we can have everlasting life. That's why we as children of God are obedient to him. That's why we have a fervency in our spirit to serve him and to please him. That's why we do it. We're not robots. We don't have to do this if we don't want to, but we choose to because we love him. This fervency in spirit allows us to cling to hope while we attempt to be patient in tribulation. In order to be patient in tribulation, we must continue steadfast in prayer, as we see in these scriptures. The steadfast prayer creates a renewed mind. A renewed mind takes our thoughts and places them into our spirits first instead of our hearts. Okay. That renewing of the mind takes our thoughts and it places into our spirits first instead of into our hearts. And then once the, the, those thoughts go into our spirit, our spirit then will tell us the emotion that we should be feeling. And that is then what gets into our heart. So now we are feeling what we are supposed to be feeling. Instead of feeling anger, maybe we start to feel some peace or we start to feel some relaxation. Okay, I don't know anyone that can be angry and relaxed at the same time. Okay, I don't even think that's possible to have both of those emotions at the same time. All right. One is going to override the other. But if we take it from our head, we get into our spirit, then it goes into our heart and we're feeling an emotion that God would deem acceptable, which then allows us to act in a way that God wants us to act, which then leads to getting the result that God intended for us to get in the first place. That's what happens with the renewing of the mind. Okay. Without a renewed mind, we ignore the spirit. It goes from our head to our hearts to action to result. But with a renewed mind, it goes from our head to our spirit, then to our heart to action and then to result. All right. That's why it's important that we are constantly renewing, uh, renewing our mind. 
Verse number 14 again. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Okay, so we shouldn't have our minds set on anything that is going to exalt us above others in an ungodly manner. All right. Now, what I mean by that, it's okay to want a promotion on the job. It's okay to want a better life for yourself. The reasons behind that is what matters the most. If you want the biggest house on the block or the biggest house in the neighborhood, just so you can have people look at you and so you can say, ha, look at me, look at me, I'm better than you. You're just nothing but a puny peasant. That is exalting. That is having your mind on things uh, um, that are, 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 are too high, that, that are exalting yourself above others. All right. We can't do we, we can't be doing that as children of God because we know what happens when we start to get prideful. And if it's all about me, 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 look at me, then all of a sudden when people look at you, they don't see God. And if they don't see God, how could you be bringing somebody closer to them when you're not modeling what it means to be a Christian? And we see this nowadays with any any all sorts of entertainers, especially a lot of athletes. OK, athletes will talk about how they love God and they just want to please him. And they, 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 they'll make the statement that Jesus is their Lord and Savior. But then next thing you know, the camera will cut over to them on the sidelines and they're dropping F-bombs and they're dropping other sorts of profanity, uh, things that are coming out of their li- out of their mouths, their personal lives, some of the things that they are involved in. You can look at that and say, if you're a child of God, why would you be doing those things? Would God be happy with you? Now, that's not passing judgment. Okay, the Bible says, by your fruit you shall know them. That's not passing judgment, but it makes you wonder, are their hearts really, only God knows the heart. Only God knows whether or not that person is truly saved. But the Bible also says to abstain from the appearance of all evil, meaning that God, while God knows your heart, he also knows that since people don't know your heart, they will judge you based off of your actions. And what you say and what you do could very well be the determining factor on whether or not somebody decides to seek after Christ or to say, I want no part of being a Christian whatsoever. Okay. We have to be careful about how we act. We have to make sure that we're not doing anything that's exalting ourselves in, a, in an ungodly manner. Okay, The Bible says that God will exalt us in due season. So if we are associating ourselves with the humble and if we are humble in mind and our minds, if we're also humble and in our hearts, we're humble, then God will exalt us in a way that's going to give him glory and is not going to be about us. The other thing we have to be careful of, too, is that not to be wise in our own opinion. There's a lot of disagreements in the body of Christ over just an opinion. Okay, getting away from what the word of God says and and bringing your own interpretation to it instead of having Holy Spirit's interpretation. And we all can't be right. We all can't be right, because if we're all driven under the same spirit, under the same Holy Spirit, then there wouldn't be any of these disagreements about what in the Bible actually applies and what doesn't. But that happens all the time. All right. That happens all the time. So a renewed mind is one of the most important things that we need to do in order to be able to uh, to to keep draw from entering in our lives. The other thing, and there's so many things that we could look at in scripture to, to, that can remove dross in our, in our lives. And I mentioned some of them earlier and we looked at some things here here in scripture. All right. We're going to continue looking at some other things. But the other thing is, is that 
we don't want to have a desire to go back to Egypt. Turn to Numbers chapter 14. Okay. One way to keep dross from entering into our lives is to not is to is to not desire to go back to Egypt. Numbers chapter 14 Verse number one. Now, the scriptures before this is when um, uh, Moses sent out the spies to check out the land of Canaan, because God said that that here's the land that I'm going to I, that I have given you. They came back, they gave their reports uh, and they basically, in essence, said that, yeah, while this land looks good, we got some problems that we're going to face. I mean, we're a bunch of grasshoppers in their eyes because that's how they saw themselves in their own sight. And they're also believing that. The, 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 the inhabitants of Canaan are looking at, looking at them um, that way. So they've just given their report. And that's where verse 14, uh, chapter 14 picks up. So chapter 14, verse one. So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, if only we had died in the land of Egypt or if only we had died in this wilderness. Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. Mind you now, they want to dethrone, if you will, Moses after Moses led them out of Egypt. It was Moses that went to Pharaoh all of those times and told them to let God's people go. It was Moses that was telling them to be obedient to God and to watch God's glory as he parted the Red Sea. He being God as God parted the Red Sea. It was Moses that stood on the other side and was obedient to God in raising his hand again so that that action of raising his hands allowed God to go in and close the Red Sea over Pharaoh and his chariots and they all were destroyed. That same Moses... Now they're looking at him and they're saying, you know, what? we need a new leader. We need a new leader because we want to go back to Egypt, even though they were enslaved and they were beaten and, and, and worked to death. They want to go back to Egypt. Sometimes, sometimes we may look at a blessing that God has given us and regret that we actually have it. If we're not careful, we may even try to devise a scheme to get rid of the blessing because we think our lives would be much better without it. We think our lives would be much better without it. They may say, well, why would I do that? God blessed me with something. There's no way in the world that I would ever want to get rid of that blessing. Well, what happens is here is God blesses us, but then the devil attacks us. And we think that just because God blessed us that the devil somehow is just going to sit back and say, okay, well, I'm done with the attack. No, the devil steps up the attack. Israel was blessed with getting out of Egypt, but they kept provoking God and they were wandering through the wilderness. And now they, God told them to go into the land of Canaan and they're saying, no, we can't take it. We can't take the land of Canaan because of all of the giants that are in the land or what the opposition that we're facing. They thought that because God told them that I have given you this land, that it was just going to be them walking up to the land and walking up to the inhabitants and saying, Hey, God gave us this land time for you guys to go where we're evicting you. No, that's not what happens. Okay. So when God gives us a blessing, there are times when we just think, you know what? I would be better off without this blessing. How does that play out in our lives? It can play out in a couple of ways. I've seen it play out with parents having children because the baby won't sleep throughout the night 
or because financially they are struggling with being able to put food on the table and provide for the family. And they'll have conversations that's like, I can't do this. Maybe we should have never had a child in the first place. Or have you noticed that we argue so much now that the child is born? Things aren't the same now that we have a child. And in some ways, they wish that they didn't even have that child. Or maybe they give that child up. And that gives and that builds a spirit of rejection in that child because while that child may not know everything that's going on, they can feel it in their spirit. Having kids is a beautiful thing. I don't care how challenging it is. I don't care how hard it can get. We should never be wishing that we didn't have that child or those children. We should never be wishing that we didn't have a blessing that God has given us. I've also seen this look um, uh, come about in terms of a home. Praying about a house and I purchase a house and then all of a sudden some unexpected repairs come up and I have to go deep into my bank account to to make those repairs. And then I just wonder, why do we even buy this house in the first place? I wish we didn't have it because I spent X of thousands of dollars on all of these repairs. And if we didn't have this house, we wouldn't have to have to make those repairs in the first place. That's money that we could have put in a bank. Okay, but the reality of it is. When you're in those situations and you have those blessings that seem to be causing you some more challenges than, than, than you had before, the reality could be that God is just testing you to see how you were, would respond. And you're wishing that you didn't have that blessing in the first place leads to more dross being created in your life and a desire to go back to Egypt. Let's go on the scripture again. Verse number four again. So they said to one another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all of the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. But Joshua, the son of Nun and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were uh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. And they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying the land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection uh, has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. And all the congregation said to, to stone them with stones. Now the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the meeting of meeting before all the children of Israel. Okay. Negative reports can create fear in our lives, which leads to more dross coming in. You've heard me say a million times, be careful about who you are sharing things with. Not everything that God shared with you is meant to be shared with others. God didn't call a conference call to share with you some deep things that he wants you to know. There's no reason for us to be good then going out and sharing those with others. Because that sharing of that information, if you don't, if you don't share it with the right person, they could come back with it. Yeah, but, oh, I remember so-and-so tried that and it didn't work out for them. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Well, I hope it works out for you. And they never offer any kind of prayer. They never offer how God is going to be with you. They never tell you to have faith and trust in God. They never give you a good word to build you up. They only say things that bring you down. That negative report will then lead to fear. And that fear will then drive the action. 
And typically when you have fear, your action is to take no action whatsoever because there's a fear that the outcome is not going to turn out the way that you think it should. That creates draws in our lives. That fear and that lack of inaction or that lack of action, because we're thinking about this negative report, begins to uh, begins to develop doubt within us that God is even with us. That doubt, along with the inaction, can cause us to rebel against God because we think we have a better way of handling the situation. And that better way of handling the situation could be not to handle it at all. The better way to handle the situation could be to do something outside of what God wants you to do, to run from the problem instead of dealing with it, to try to ignore it instead of dealing with it. It could cause us to rebel in God with uh, rebel against God in those kind of ways. The devil likes to mess with our mind and create dross in our lives by bringing to remembrance what life was like back in Egypt. Okay. In this case here, the Israelites didn't want to fight against who they thought were um, people that were going to defeat them. Even though God told them, I'm giving you this land or I have given it to you. It's yours. You just have to go and take it. The Israelites didn't want to fight. They just wanted the land to be handed over to them on a silver platter. So that fear or that uh, that that fear of going into the into battle with with the, the, the inhabitants of Canaan, that fear then had them focus on the fact that they didn't fight when they were in Egypt. They didn't fight. There was no fighting in Egypt. They were told what to do. They were slaves. They were beaten. OK. They didn't have to fight in Egypt. They just told they just did what they were told. They wanted that. They wanted that lifestyle more than they wanted the land that was flowing with milk and honey. Don't let the devil try to tell you that your previous life without God, I'm not talking about previous life when people talk about reincarnation, where being where the past, I should say that, where in the past, when God wasn't with you because you weren't saved, don't have the devil think that that life is better than the life that you're in right now. Because he would love to just take you back to Egypt. And what he'll do is he'll, he'll, he'll show you all of the quote unquote good things that happened in the past without God and have you and lead you to believe that life would be so much simpler and so much easier if you didn't have God in your life in the first place. Don't let him try to bring you back to Egypt. Okay. We can't wish at times that we were back in Egypt just because we're in the midst of a trial. Renewing our minds, okay, renewing our minds will allow us to know that this life right now is better than what we had before, despite its challenges. The last few scriptures here in closing is going to be in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 43, and we're going to go to verse number 16. Isaiah 43, verse 16. Thus says the Lord who makes a way in the sea and a path through the mighty waters, who brings forth the chariot and horse, the army and the power. They shall lie down together. They shall not rise. They are extinguished. They are quenched like a wick. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall bring forth. Shall you not know it? 
I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The main scripture there is in verse 19. Behold, I will do a new thing. All right. Allowing God to do a new thing can burn away dross in our lives. Allowing him to do so is like an artist who's painting. Have you ever seen one of those street artists where they're, 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 they're painting artists? Where they're painting and you're looking at it, it's like, what are they painting? And then when they're done, they flip the canvas upside down and it's this beautiful masterpiece. Okay, that's how God works. God's ways and thoughts are so much higher than our ways and our thoughts that we will never truly understand what he's doing. Because he is the creator. Just like an artist, you never may not, you know, you don't understand what that artist is creating as they're doing their creative process and they're putting things together. You don't notice it until it's actually done. Well, God is the same way. He's working and doing some things that 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 we can't wrap our heads around. But once he flips that canvas over, it's going to be a masterpiece. It's going to be a masterpiece. But we have to allow God to do a new thing. So don't let dross into your life. Ask Holy Spirit to reveal anything in your life that could be opening the door for dross to enter in. And once it's been identified, get rid of it. Once it's been identified, get rid of it. Well, praise God. I hope this message was a blessing to you. And as we close, let's end with prayer. Lord God, Jehovah, most awesome and wonderful Lord, I want to thank you for this time that we share together in listening to your word, Lord God. And I want to pray for everyone that has heard these words, Lord God, that you would talk to them. You would speak to them in your own special way, that you would reveal the dross in their lives, Lord God, so that They can get rid of it, Lord God. And I pray that you will strengthen them, that when that dross does become identified, that they will work speedily, Lord God, to get it out of their lives and that they will continue to 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 seek you out, Lord God, and that they would continue to allow you to minister to them so that it that, that they can prevent any other dross from entering in in the future, Lord God. Lord God, I pray for everyone in this ask that you would continue to strengthen us, Lord God, that you would continue to guide us and that you would help us to walk in your perfect mission for our lives. These things I pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Well, praise God. If this message was a blessing to you, think about passing it on um, to others. You can find us at Genesis1.sermon.net. Genesis1 is one word. And if you click on the subscribe button, you'll receive notifications anytime new content is posted. We also have a YouTube channel and it's Genesis one, two words there, Genesis one Christian ministries. If you search it, you'll be able to find all of these video messages on there. And then we can also be found on the Apple app store and the Google play store. Just search Google, uh, excuse me, just search Genesis one Christian ministries and you'll be able to find the apps. Everything is free. We just want to make the word of God available. So all the apps are free. All the content is free because we just want to spread the word of God because God's will is not for anyone to perish. Praise God. So I hope this message again was a blessing to you. And I pray that you walk in his perfect peace and you walk in his strength and that you remember that you can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens you. Be blessed. Here we are.